y'all. Welcome to That Tennessee Feeling. How's everybody today? Thanks for listening to the first few episodes and coming back for another one. You guys are amazing. I didn't think it would take off like this, and it has, and I'm enjoying the ride. Thanks for coming along. You can find That Tennessee Feeling on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, and I love getting to know y'all, and you can always reach me at that Tennessee, that TN feeling at gmail.com. Say hi, suggestions, comments, whatever. I'm all good. I love meeting you guys and getting to know everybody, especially fellow Tennesseans. If you have a second, I really would appreciate if you could go and rate the podcast on Spotify or Apple. It kind of helps get the podcast out to more people, gets to be seen, and people understand why we all love the volunteer state. Speaking of that, I hope you guys have enjoyed what you've heard so far about the volunteer state and finding new things and places to go, especially with the state parks. Um, I'm also glad to know that in the poll that a lot of us agree that there can be too many Christmas lights in one place. I'm probably going to do more polls um, throughout the weeks. Just kind of a fun thing. Once probably every week we'll do something fun like that. I'll do it on uh, Facebook and on Instagram. So today I want to tell you about a town that kind of still exists in Tennessee but doesn't at the same time. I mean it, it it exists. There's signs going to it, so it's got to exist, right? Um, but just not how it used to be. And I'm actually talking about Elkmont. And if Elkmont sounds familiar, it's probably because if you've ever been to Gatlinburg or the Great Smoky Mountains, you've probably seen signs going to Elkmont. Well, Elkmont's the town that used to exist. Elkmont is in the upper Little River Valley of the Great Smoky Mountains in Sevier County. The town has been a pioneer Appalachian community, a logging town, a top-tier resort community, and now it's a ghost town with a campground area and a ranger station. It does still have a historic district that's taken care of by the rangers of the Great Smoky Mountain National Park, but back in its glory, Elkmont was the place that you wanted to be. So I'm going to tell you the history of it, and maybe kind of like me, you wish you could still go there and have seen it back in like the 1950s. So the area that Elkmont has inhabited long before the town was established was actually inhabited by the Native Americans. The first known European settlers to reside in the area resided along an area called Jake's Creek, and that was back in the 1840s. Jacob Hauser, the one that the creek is named after, was probably the first to arrive in the area with his family and then followed by others. And people came and they just fell in love with the area. I mean, we all come because we like the area, so we kind of understand why they did that. And the small community that developed out of the area was known as Little River. And like most Appalachian communities, it had mostly agricultural economy. They grew corn and apples, as well as keeping bees for honey. Grist mills were built along Jake's Creek. And that really kept the economy and the whole community growing. And you can actually still see some of the cabins from that time that are around today. The Avent Cabin and the Levi Tenthrum Cabin both still exist from pioneer times today, and you can still see them. And they're actually really cool to walk through. There's a ton of history. Now, of course, this community existed through about the 1880s, when that really brought logging into the area. And John L. English was a businessman from Knoxville, and he decided he wanted to start a small-scale logging project along Jake's Creek. Well, he did his thing, and he made some money, but he didn't make a ton of money. So, the Little River Lumber Company was established by Colonel William B. Townsend, yep, after Townsend, in 1901 after buying 88,000 acres around Jake's Creek. And Townsend started a band sawmill along the Tuckaleechee Cove and essentially 
basically started the town that would be his name, and that's Townsend. And Townsend isn't far from Elkmont. Now, of course, Townsend constructed railroads for logging between the mill and the upper reaches of the river. And as they got to the upper reach of the river, they established Elkmont. Elkmont was officially established in 1908 to have a base for logging operations. And the company maintained it and started selling plots of land around the area to hunters and fishers out of Knoxville. And this temporary logging camp actually turned into its own town. And the town kind of resembled a Depression-era shantytown. It had homes, a post office, a transient hotel, a commissary, and then sheds right around the railroad. Well, by 1912, a resort hotel was built called the Wonderland Park Hotel that overlooked Elkmont, so just above it on the hill. And the loggers would live in the boarding homes, and some came from Sugarland Mountain Trail, which is on the other side of the mountain, and they would work. And the logging company continued to use Elkmont, but it continued to grow. And as the logging company grew and, of course, cut down trees, they knew they needed to move higher up the mountain slopes. So they loaded the shanties and homes onto railroad flat cars and moved them to a pre-constructed foundation using a logging crane. Thus, the logging camp moved, but Elkmont stayed. Elkmont actually stayed as the primary base for the company's base of operations down the creek. And, of course, the town grew, and Wonderland Hotel changed into the Wonderland Club, which eventually became a huge vacation area for the elite and wealthy East Tennesseans, where they could gather and socialize. Now, of course, Townsend knew what he had, and he eventually sold his Little River Lumber Track to the Great Smoky Mountain Commission, and he was still allowed to log in the area for the next decade. And, of course, as Townsend did this, he allowed hunters and fishermen to use the area, much like he had already sold the lands to, and the Little River Railroad access became the access to the forest of the Smokies. So the area, as it was stripped of its timber, um, began to be advertised as more of a mountain getaway. So instead of hunting and fishing, it was a place to go and get away from the hustle and bustle of Knoxville. So he began to offer the Elkmont special on Sundays, which was a nonstop train service from Knoxville to Elkmont. And the special really led a group of fishermen and hunters to form the Appalachian Club and purchase what is now called Daisy Town, just south of Elkmont. So basically, one man's ability to log and then revamp an entire area into a getaway has created this little town and this little area that people just absolutely started to fall in love with. Now, the club built the Appalachian Clubhouse and used it as a lodge, and several people actually built personal cottages along the Elkmont little area, and it really became an area for Knoxville's wealthy. Townsend even gifted Charles Carter an acre of land that overlooked Elkmont, and he told Carter that he could have it as long as Carter actually built on it within one year. Well, Carter kept his promise, and he built the Wonderland Hotel, and the Wonderland Hotel was as amazing as it sounds. It was a resort lodge. It contained 50 rooms and a large balcony that overlooked the valley in the Meg's Mountain. So, again, another beautiful lookout. The same reason we go to Gatlinburg to overlook the mountains. Same kind of area. And the lodge was for the Appalachian Club. And the Appalachian Club was actually extraordinarily hard to get into. Um, people didn't get in or people didn't, you know, it's, I guess it was kind of all politics back then. It was who knew who and who wanted who. And Well, so what did the people do that didn't get in? Well, they banded together and built their own lodge, and they created the Wonderland Club in 1919. And they bought it, the hotel, and they had built 10 more cottages. So this whole area has basically got two massive lodges, and then a third lodge on down, and they just did their thing. 
you know, everybody was kind of competing, but everybody was really enjoying the area. It was fun to go up on the weekends and enjoy being away from Knoxville to go fishing, to go hunting, to overlook, especially when the leaves changed in the fall or the snowy mountains, you know, pretty much the same reason we go for today, but it was just such a beautiful area. Now, Elkmont, you know, it had its ups and downs. Um, it was actually in danger of being forgotten when the railroad moved from Elkmont to Tremont. And Townsend knew that when he was going to move this railroad, the people were going to be upset. So what did he do? He did it in secret. He actually had him pull up in the middle of the night and move the railroad. But the town was safe for now because Governor Austin P. had a road constructed to Elkmont that connected Elkmont to Townsend and then with the Wonderland Club and the Appalachian Club areas. So thanks to wealthy people, the town was saved. Now, the town, of course, continued to do its thing and grow a little bit, not a lot. Um, it was more known as a resort getaway, so not so much a town anymore. So, in 1920, Willis P. Davis and his wife Anne owned a cottage in Elkmont, and they were probably one of the first to suggest that the area be turned into a national park, and they thought this was a great idea because they had just gotten back from visiting Yellowstone. And so, they suggested it to the influential friends in Knoxville and in the club, and of course, Someone overheard, David Chapman, actually, who also owned a cottage in Elkmont, overheard and saw that it could be profitable to the business owners in the area. He thought it was a great idea for tourism and to grow. So he took the initiative, and he actually got other business owners to begin lobbying the federal and state governments to make the area a national park. Now, the U.S. government agreed that if Tennessee and North Carolina purchased the land, that they would consider making it a national park. So... Knoxville had extensive lobbying campaigns in favor of this proposal, and Chapman himself was one of the top ones. He even hosted a group of legislators to Elkmont to see the area and to actually sell the idea of the park so that he could see why we wanted to save the area and to make it beautiful and to continue on so that it should be a national park that people could visit. So... After the group of legislators came, the next year, Colonel Townsend was the first to purchase land for the park. He started the whole thing off. He knew it was a good idea, and he had already built basically two towns, and he just was like, we're doing this. So he he bought the first purchase of land. Now, fun fact, where Oakmont sits, of course, it sits in the Great Smoky Mountain National Park. It was actually against the park. They didn't want the park. They didn't want it to be a national forest. They didn't want it to be a national park. They wanted it to be a national forest instead of a national park. Um, And Jim Wright was an attorney for Little River Lumber Company, and he was actually the man who rallied the support for the idea of the forest instead of the park. He also wanted a massive road campaign across the crest of the Smokies as an attempt to increase land value and, of course, tourism. And, of course, thanks to Wright's efforts, the town of Oakmont was actually exempt from eminent domain and saved all the cottages and land and the, the hotels and the lodges because he rallied for this idea. Now, of course, we do know today that it is the Great Smoky Mountain National Park, not National Forest. So the park idea did, of course, succeed. But Elkmont was saved. In fact, the cottage owners were actually given a deal that allowed them to sell their cottages at half price in exchange for lifetime leases that allowed them to live there for the rest of their lives. I think that's a pretty good deal. Um, You know, you get to keep your slice of paradise. You get to have your small little town, and the world gets to progress around you. Now, somebody actually, a lot of people took it up, but I'll explain in a minute how some of it changed. But somebody 
literally lived there until he died. Um, and this person was Lim Owenby. Lim Owenby was grandson of David Owenby. And David Owenby had come to the area right after Jacob Hauser, you know, the one that the creek's named after, one of the original first settlers. And he, the Owen, Mr. Owenby came looking for gold in the area. He was convinced there was gold. And so Lim Owenby was actually born near Jake's Creek in 1889. And Owenby built the cabin along with his father in 1908, and he lived there the rest of his life. He actually obtained a lifetime lease when the National Park was established, and he lived there for several decades as he sold honey to hikers. Now, of course, Owenby died in 1984, and he was the last of the park's lifetime leases outside of Cades Cove. Now, Owenby was an interesting fellow. Um, there's a story of, I think the, it was the president and somebody else had come to Tennessee and they wanted to have him, no, it wasn't, it was the Supreme Court justices. The Supreme Court justices were in Tennessee and sorry, I don't know why my writing is just crazy today, but the Supreme Court justices were in Tennessee and they wanted to take, uh, them to meet Mr. Owenby since he was the lifetime resident. He was the longest resident in the area he knew of the area, and it was somebody that they thought that it would be interesting to meet. Well, the guy that was with the justices went and knocked on his door and said, Hey, I have these Supreme Court justices, and they want to meet you. And he told them to go away. He did not care. He did not want to meet them. And, of course, the guy was embarrassed, and the judges just laughed. Um, because, you know, Supreme Court justices, they're very prestige, and people want to meet them. And this guy couldn't care less who they were. <laughs> So I think that was great. Um, but yeah, he was the last uh, resident of the park's lifetime leases. Um, now, the cottages where Lim and the rest of the people stayed in Elkmont were not easily accessible as modern amenities came around and such as electricity. Now, a lot of Appalachian Club leaseholders actually converted their lifetime leases to 20-year leases so that they could get better electrical services and utilities. So while they did have lifetime leases, not all of them chose to stay. Um... I mean, if you could have electricity and running water, you'd probably want that, right? So they gave up their lifetimes for 20 years. And they had release renewals again in 1972 and then in 1992. And that was the last one. Now, the Wonderland Hotel and Rustic Cottages of Elkmont reverted to the National Park Service once these leases were up. And the park's 1982 general management plan called for the structures to be removed to allow nature to regrow. People did not like that area. They did or that idea. They wanted it to be kept as is. It's historic. Yes, it's in the middle of the forest, but it is still a historic town, especially to this area, and they wanted to keep it. And in 1994, the Wonderland Hotel and several other rustic cottages were placed on the National Register of Historic Places, and they were saved. Therefore, it gave them special status. And you would think, okay, they kept these things up. They kept these cottages up. They kept them. That's not the, that's not the whole story. While they were saved from complete destruction, a lot of them have been left to just kind of sit in the, you know, just letting nature kind of slowly take its course. Unfortunately, in 2005, the Wonderland Hotel collapsed from structural decay. And they deemed the parts of the hotel that were historic value, and they took those away. Um, they did save them. And then they, the rest of it was cleared, leaving only the annex and the chimney. Now, unfortunately, the annex was destroyed in a suspicious fire in May of 2016. And the final environmental impact statement for Elkmont was to restore the Appalachian Clubhouse as well as 18 cabins in the Appalachian Club section. 
The remaining structures were then documented and removed in 2018. So they did not save all of them in the area. They saved the ones that were of most historic value. And the ones that were removed, you can actually still see the chimneys. Uh, you can still see them standing among the trees, which gives it a very eerie, creepy vibe. Now, 17 of the 19 structures chosen for restoration and preservation are located in the Appalachians Club Daisy Town section. And they were selected due to age and, and historically notable historical notable structures they chose the appalachian clubhouse which was built in 1934 um the original was actually built in 1932 but the one that they saved in from 1934 was the one that replaced the original that burned down um the levi trent trent hand cabin was chosen as elkmont's oldest structure built back in the 1830s the attics and the mayo cabin were both saved believed to be modified shanties from when the lumber was in town and these cabins were created from the shanties, which is kind of cool. Great for repurposing. They also kept the children's playhouse known as Adamsless Eden. And other cottages were saved that were built between 1910 and 1930. As well as the ones that had been saved. So, it's really strange. The cabins were actually built in 1910 and 1930. But they've been renovated so many times that they actually look like they're out of the 70s. If you go and look at them, they look a little more modern than 1910. And of course, some of those additions were that they added porches to the cottages in the 1970s. So while they are historically old structures, a lot of them have had a lot of upgrades. And of course, these cottages are, you know, mostly wooden frames. They used wooden frames with board and batten exteriors, which kind of looks like horizontal slats for the outsides. Um, the only exception to this really were the Smith and Levi Trentham cabins, and they were true rustic log cabins. Um, the Byers cabin is another cabin that was saved just south of Daisy Town, and the Spence cabin from the Appalachia Club's Millionaire Row section was saved. Just imagine that. They had a millionaire's row. You can tell it's truly a getaway for the rich and famous back then. Now, the Spence cabin has been fully restored, and you can actually reserve the structure for day use. Um... It's actually a pretty big area. It's kind of nice. It's really cool that you can still reserve it. Um, they also have a kiosk now in the Wonderland Club section. And what sucks is most of the structures in the Wonderland Club section were removed because they were either falling in or not of his true historical value. But that's where you can see some of the chimneys. But there is a kiosk that stands that actually tells you about the area. And the Wonderland and Appalachian Club's actually stayed in operation for a lot longer than you can imagine. Um, they stayed in operation as most of the people who took the leases chose to stay. The Civilian Conservation Corps, or the CCC, actually moved into Elkmont in 1933 as 200 people moved in the area to develop infrastructure and facilities in the newly formed park, the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. And the Civilian Conservation Corps was actually an area that came in, I want to say it was part of the New Era deal, and they would go in and they would help get new parks set up. Um, and of course, that was, um, you know, after World War One, before World War Two, where they were trying to get things set up and moving. And I think it was just a job, people, you know, to give people jobs, which was really cool. Um, but they did actually help a lot of the infrastructure that you still see today in the Smoky Mountains. And of course... These clubs that hosted the corpse and all the other people that were still coming to Elkmont in the 1930s actually stayed operational up until the 1950s. 
Um, they actually hosted events until the 1950s. And the Wonderland Club actually even stayed in operation until 1992. And it was actually lively all the way up until it closed. Um, but they did maintain a rustic vibe. So you could still go visit and you would still feel as if you were back in the old days. They didn't have TVs or phones in the room. Um, it was still a beautiful place to stay, to overlook the mountains. And to me, that's kind of cool. I think it's great that they maintained that old feel right up until the end. And of course, the Elkmont Campground was formed in 1950, and it operated even as the resident stayed at Elkmont. Now, the last official resident from Elkmont, well, they didn't leave until 2001. That's when they chose, nobody else chose to renew their leases, and everything reverted back to the Smoky Mountains. Now, you can visit Elkmont today. You can walk through the old little rows. You can see the cabins and the clubhouses. And they've restored some. So you can actually go into these restored cabins and see how the elite and wealthy used to have their mountain getaways back in the day. Now, most of the cabins do still have a no trespassing sign. And that kind of leads to an eerie ghost town feeling. Um, which is kind of, I don't know, it's kind of creepy to me. Um you can hike the area and you can get an understanding of why these people didn't want to leave their cottages and that was their slice of paradise. But walking through rows of just abandoned cabins is just a little creepy. But I definitely recommend going. Um, you can walk through the remains as you hike around Jake's Creek. You'll see the chimneys still standing. And of course, this is right outside of Gatlinburg. There is also a cemetery. Uh, Elkmont actually had its own cemetery and you can explore it. It's located in a clearing near the small ghost town. Elkmont is an absolutely amazing view into old Tennessee and how people lived in the mountains and the Appalachians, especially back in the 1800s and early 1900s. Um, you can see that the people started by, you know, they had their economy of farming and fishing, and then it turned to logging, and thanks to logging, it created its own little mountain getaway. And it's a really interesting, really cool historical place to go see. Elkmont is an interesting ghost town literally in the middle of a national park, and there's absolutely beautiful views and nature and wildlife all around you. So the next time you go to Gatlinburg, just follow the signs up to Elkmont and go take a look. Go to Millionaire's Row, see the club. Imagine you were back in the 1930s overlooking a less developed world. I get why they didn't want to leave. So guys, I hope that you found a new place to explore the next time you're in East Tennessee. Don't forget to check out the Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok pages. A five-star review would be amazing. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow so that you don't miss any episodes. It's every other Tuesday. I hope you guys really enjoyed this one. I thought Elkmont was a really fun place to talk about. It's fun to explore. Um, if anybody does explore, tag me in your pictures. Use hashtag thattnfeeling on Instagram and even on Facebook so that I can check out where you guys are exploring in Tennessee next. All right, guys, I'll see you in two weeks. Um, it'll be right before Christmas. So actually, it might be right after Christmas. Ooh, hold on. It will be right before Christmas. So, you know, I hope everybody's getting prepared for Christmas. You got all your your decorations up or you're getting there and you're doing your thing, shopping. Don't forget Amazon's a great thing, but be nice to do your... Be nice to all the customer service people out there, guys. They're just trying to do their job. All right, guys. Have an amazing week. 
Don't forget to stay hydrated. Be nice to one another. And always remember, guys, stay country.